Welcome to the Chapel Hill Academy podcast, featuring messages from our weekly chapel service. Located in Chanhassen, Minnesota, Chapel Hill Academy offers biblically-based Christian education, junior kindergarten through eighth grade, and holds a passion for Christ and a commitment to provide an education for life. We invite you to learn more about us at chapel-hill.org. Oh, we're excited to be here. I got my, uh, my favorite guy in the whole world here with me, my son, Asher. And uh, we decided to make a field trip out of the day. So we were here. And then after this, we're going down to the, uh, to the auto show to study technology and transportation. I love, I love what I do here and sharing God's word, but I can get long-winded, so I got to make sure I put a timer on. They put me on a strict, uh, on a strict timeline here. Um, someone did challenge me recently at our men's retreat. Uh, we, were, we were cooking breakfast, and uh, I guess he was a little bored or something, so he came up, and, and he tried to put a wrestling hold on me, and I said, are you sure you want to do that? And he said, oh, yeah, I think, uh, I think I could take you. I said, are you ready? Because you're going to hit the floor. He said, oh, I don't think so. You're the one going down, and I took that as the challenge. And uh, there's actually video. One of the guys took video, and, and uh, let's just say my, my friend uh, didn't, didn't do so well in that challenge. Um, let me ask you guys a question. Have you ever gone on a family road trip? Family road trip? Uh, someone shout out to me. Where are some places you've gone on a road trip to? All right, I got all of those. I got all of those. Um, you know, we've, I've taken my family on a number of trips, and there's always something crazy that happens. Something unexpected happens. Um, anyone, anyone uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid fan? Anyone read those books? We love those books in our house. There's one book in particular called The Long Haul, and it's about a family road trip and all kinds of kooky. I never had a road trip like that, but they had this gas station bathroom incident. There's the, the uh, cheese puffs and the crazy seagulls coming into the car to eat these things. A little car accident. And then there's this, this stupid pig. For some reason, they had this pig with them. And then we won't even mention losing the car keys and trying to figure that out. But did you guys know that Jesus and his family took road trips as well? Do you believe me? Uh, where can you think of in the Bible that maybe Jesus and his family took a road trip? Jerusalem. Good. So there's this story that I'm going to talk about today. It's found in Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 41 through 52. And, and what we learn in there is that every year Jesus' family would take a road trip. And this story is about when Jesus was 12. And I kind of like this because we hear there's a lot of focus on Jesus when he's a cute little baby in a manger and the whole uh, adventure and miracles and wonder and all that went around that. And of course, most of the attention in the Bible is when he has grown up and exercised his ministry uh, publicly. But there's this, this interesting little story where he's a 12-year-old boy, and, uh, and I just love it. Um, so uh, one year, when Jesus was 12 years old, they had a particularly eventful road trip. Uh, let me ask you a question. Have you guys ever, as, ever in your life, have you ever gotten lost? Have you ever gotten lost? I did once. 
Uh, my grandfather had taken me and my brother and my sister and a couple of my cousins, and he took us to Como Zoo. Have any of you been to Como Zoo? Awesome place. And I, and I loved the monkeys. I loved the monkey house. And uh, they, you could get these plastic molds. They still have them there, the gorillas. And uh, that, to me, was the, was the chief uh, visit, the chief attraction of the, of the zoo. And uh, we were walking around, and I wanted to go to the monkey house, and we had to stop and eat lunch and do all this stuff. I was five years old. I decided, forget this. I'm out of here. I'm going to the monkey house. And when my grandfather wasn't watching, I slipped away, and I started to make my way to the monkey house. And I, I really wanted to see these monkeys. So I just had to go. I had this compulsion to go. And so my grandpa, uh, he started looking for me, and when he finally found me with the help of a police officer, he said, Steve, why did you walk away from us? And I said, did you not know that I had to be in the monkey house? So Jesus, when he was returning from this road trip, he did something similar. It says in, in the scripture, it says, And when the feast had ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, though. But supposing him to be in the group, uh, they, were, they went away a day's journey. So he had, they had their family and friends and every friend from their hometown. They kind of had this caravan. They were traveling back. And, and they get a day away from Jerusalem. And, and you know, Mary looks at Joseph. Hey, uh, you seen Jesus? Uh, no, Mary, I thought he was with you. And they look throughout the, all, the, the, uh, all the caravan, all the family. And they can't find Jesus anywhere. And... Uh, and so they decide, uh, they decide they got to return to Jerusalem and begin looking for him. And so there's an important lesson in that that I want to share with you here. The point, uh, well, there's, there's a lot of things we can draw in there, but one point that I really wanted to communicate to you today uh, on this section of the scripture uh, is that many assume that Jesus is with us because we go to a Christian school, we go to church, we read our Bibles, you know, we do all the Christian stuff, we hear it, we know it, you get to come here and, and have chapel and pray in school. I didn't get that when I was growing up, and, and it's a real blessing. But it's real common, it's real familiar to you, you hear it all the time. And when that happens, uh, we, we can get just really used to it, and, it, and it loses its impact on us, it loses its effect on us. And so Joseph and Mary, uh, they, they just assumed that Jesus was with them, and so they went on their way doing their thing. I want to challenge you a little bit. I think, I think that we do that in our own lives in a lot of ways. <clears throat> we make decisions about the things that we listen to, the things that we read, the things that we watch, uh, the, the people that we hang out with. Uh, we make decisions and choices and, and take action on things, and we just kind of assume because we're, we're in the family, because we're in Jesus' caravan, that, that Jesus is with us. But what Joseph and Mary had failed to do is they had failed to interact with Jesus. They had failed to engage with him, to communicate with him and say, okay, Jesus, we're going home now. They, they needed to put their eyes on him. They needed to speak to him. They needed to engage with him, and they didn't do that. They just made this great assumption. And I think the same is true of us. We make these assumptions that, that God is with us, that we're walking in God's will, that we're doing God's thing, but we don't take the time to pause 
and, and to search the scriptures and, and to pray and to engage, to talk to, talk to our family members or our parents or to our pastor or, or our teachers and say, hey, here's what I'm going through. I, uh, I want to I wanna be obedient to Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to make sure that I'm with him. So the challenge then is, is are we living our day-to-day lives in constant communion, in engagement with Jesus? I can't emphasize enough how important that is. There's, there's people all around us whose lives are, are a train wreck because they don't do that. Now, the story goes on. Uh, it says after three days, right? So they get a day away. They realize he's gone. Uh, can you imagine what, what those parents were going through? I'm sure they just flipped out. Where's Jesus? Where can he be? He's not here. We've traveled a day, day away. There was probably a little bit of tension between Joseph and Mary, and they said, well, let's just go back. We've got to go back to Jerusalem. And finally, after three days, it says, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astounded. So here's a 12-year-old, 12-year-old Jesus. He's, he's listening to these teachers. He's asking them questions. You know, you can tell a lot about someone by the questions they asked. Um, someone says there's, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Um, I believe that's true, but there is stupid people who ask questions. Um, so you, I, you can laugh at that. That was, that was funny. I'm laughing hysterically inside at that one. Um, but, but Jesus is asking these brilliant questions. And so you've got all these teachers and, and adults who are just amazed at the wisdom and the insight of Jesus. And then his parents are watching this go down too, and, and they're stunned. Um, so here's, here's a point I want to get across to you on this, this part of the story. You know, a young person who is deeply committed to God can exercise heroic faith. A young person who is deeply connected to God can join Jesus in his mission to rescue the world. Uh, for, for young people, the scriptures are chock full of examples of young people rising up and doing amazing things. From uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, Jesus here. Uh, Timothy was a young person, and the scripture, in fact, calls him... Don't let no one look down on you because you're young. Because if you're walking closely with Jesus, you can do amazing things. And I believe that for each and every one of you. I believe that God has laid out a path before each and every one of you, and he wants to use you to do great things in this world. The same power and strength of God that was at work in Jesus that day, the same power and strength that's worked within us. And you know what's cool about that? It, it doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, it's directly correlated to how faithful you are. The choices you make, the decision that you make each and every day, I am going to get up today and I am going to follow Jesus. And I'm going to go to the Word and I'm going to let, I'm going to let my mind be transformed to be renewed through God's Word. And I, I'm going to seek to get clarity and understanding from Him from the Word. We can't know what to do and how to live if we don't engage with the source of life. Uh, have you guys, I don't know if this happened to you, it happened to me a lot when I was a kid. Have you ever said something to your parents and they, and they just didn't get it, they didn't understand? Has that happened to any of you? Come on. 
couple of you. Otherwise, your parents perfectly understand you, and you never have any frustration at home, right? Um, Does that happen to you, Mont? Occasionally, Asher and I have challenges understanding each other. Um, that happened here, too. You know, his parents come back. They, they see him happening. They're, they're astonished. And, and Jesus had the same problem. Check it out what it says here. It says, And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching. We've been searching for you in great, discre- in great distress. And Jesus said to him, why were you looking for me? Now, part of it's like, well, duh. <laughs> why were you looking for me? But he says, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And it says, they did not understand the saying with which he spoke. Right? So if you're having problems communicating your thoughts and your feelings with your parents, Jesus gets that. He had the same problem when he was 12. And uh, I'd be willing to bet that this wasn't the first time that that happened to him uh, either. And so here's the point that I want to get across on this section of the story. You know, Jesus' parents didn't understand what he was saying. But it's a little deeper than that. Jesus' parents didn't understand the depth of his identity, who he was. Obviously, Mary understood that he was the Son of God, Uh, that he was born in a miraculous way. Uh, But she didn't get it. She didn't understand the the depth of his identity. They also didn't understand Jesus' mission. And I think in the church, we've got the same problem today. We program our churches, we structure our churches in such a way sometimes that, that reveals that we don't understand the heart of Jesus. We don't understand uh, it's not that we have, don't have any understanding, mind you. Um, surely Jesus' parents had understanding of him, but there was a deeper level, and it's the same with us. We, we know Jesus through faith, but it's a daily choice to follow him, to seek after him, to know him. Um, this year will be my 18th wedding anniversary, and, and I'm more in love with my wife today than ever before. Uh, I, was, I was in love with her the day I married her, But we have 18 years of life together. And 18 years of living together day by day, I know her a lot better than I know her today. One of the things that I say to Asher every day is, I love you today more than ever before. Because Asher and I know each other better today than we ever have before. We've never had more time together in our life than we do right now. And the same is true in our walk with Jesus. The more we are faithful to Jesus and and seek after him and engage with him, we're going to know him better and better. And the more that we know him, the more that there is to love. Um, so I want to share with you three questions. There's three questions that I think we need to be asking day by day. And it's not that we don't know the answer to these questions, but as we continue to ask them, as we continue to seek after them, seek understanding and wisdom in them, we grow in our depth and our understanding of them. And, so, and then it has more transformational effect in our lives. So here they are. They're, they're deeply profound. You ready? You're writing this down? Okay. And they're all about Jesus. It's, uh, it's first question is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? If I ask you that, um, you can rattle out he's the son of God, right? Um, but is there more to it than that? He's the long ago promised Messiah. He is the preexistent Christ who was present in creation. 
you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and find answering that question, who is Jesus? Uh, second question is, what did he do? What did Jesus do? Uh, a very surface-level answer to that, well, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. Uh, you go deeper than that. Jesus, Jesus is the creative agent who created the world. All things were made by him and for him and through him. Um, and you can continue to go deeper and deeper on what did he do. Um, has anyone in here ever had someone do something really nice for you? What's the nicest thing? Someone tell me, what's the nicest thing someone's ever done for you? Go ahead and shout it out. Jesus died on the cross, but what about one of your friends or your family members, you know, someone other than Jesus? What's something someone has done for you that's really nice? My wife does my laundry every week. That's so nice for me because I hate doing that. Um, she does that for me every week. What's something nice that someone has done for you? Nothing? Don't you have any nice people in your life? You think it. Your parents take care of you. They provide for you. You've got friends who do nice things for you. How does that make you feel when, when people do nice things for you? Right? You appreciate it. You feel loved. It feels good. Yeah. That's pretty sweet because then you don't have to do it, right? Right? So it makes you feel good. And the, and the reason why this question is, what did Jesus do? The more we understand what he did, the more we're able to appreciate it, the more we're able to love him, the more we're able to experience him. You're raising your hand. You got a smile on your face. I'm going to take a risk. What do you got? Canceled school. school. That is cause for rejoicing, right? Can we get an amen from the congregation on that one? (laughs) Yeah. So that second question, what has Jesus done? The reason why it's important to continue to ask that question is because the more you understand what Jesus has done for you, the more when you sing a song like Reckless Love, it it will just cause such praise and rejoicing in you because you have a deeper understanding of actually what he has done. I actually had someone save my life once. I was swimming in the ocean down in Florida, and anyone know what a riptide is? Riptide's where, you know, the waves come up, and then the deepest part is where the water has to all go back. It just can't keep coming up on shore. Well, this water sucks out. Well, I got stuck in a riptide, and it was pulling me out, so I did the natural thing. I started swimming towards shore, which is a huge mistake. This is a public service announcement. If you ever get stuck in a riptide, you swim sideways because you will never overcome the power of all that water coming out. Well, I didn't know that, and I exhausted myself, and I started to go under the water. And I was seriously praying, like, all right, Jesus, this is my time. I was scared. And, uh, and I went underwater, and I'd hit the bottom of the ocean, and I'd push myself back up, and I'd take a breath, but I couldn't even wade water, right? And so I'd push. I figured, this is the last time I'm going down. I'm done for. And I, I go down to the bottom of the water, and I pushed up. And as soon as I broke the surface of the water, I see this guy, big muscular guy, blonde hair. I'll never forget his face. I see this big arm reach over, grab me, he pulled me out of the riptide. He dragged me to shore. I couldn't even stand up. He, he sat me down. I fell down in a heap. And he looked at me. He sat there with me for a minute. He said, are you okay? And I couldn't even talk. I was so exhausted. I said, yeah, I'm okay. And he got up and he left. I don't know his name. <laughs> you know, 
I didn't even get to say thank you. you know, but I'll tell you, I'll never forget that guy as long as I live. I'm so thankful to him for what he did to me, for me. You know? So keep asking that question. What did Jesus do? Third question, why does it matter? Right? And this, this is a really important question. Why does it matter? Why does it matter that that guy pulled me out of the ocean and saved my life? Um, well, it matters a lot to this kid because uh, he wouldn't be here if that didn't happen. It matters a lot to my wife because we would have never got married. Uh, my daughter would have never been born. So, I mean, my life would have been extinguished. It matters deeply to me that that guy took note of me struggling out in the water and pulled me out. How much more so Jesus who rescued me from my sins, who rescued you from your sins. Why does it matter? Hugely important question. I got 20 seconds left, so I want to end with a challenge for you. And here's the challenge. Ask yourself these questions on a regular basis. I would challenge you to write them down. Who is Jesus? What has he done? And why does it matter? Seek God and ask answers for that. Talk about that with your friends. As we pursue these answers to these questions, we, like Jesus' mother did, and Lord willing, uh, like Jesus did, we will increase in wisdom and knowledge. Mary says at the end of this passage that Mary treasured these things in her heart. Treasured these things in her heart. They were jewels to her. And then Jesus increases in wisdom and stature and favor with God. Amen. Let me pray for us. Lord God, I pray that, um, that as we engage your scripture, that, uh, that uh, unlike Mary and Joseph, we wouldn't just assume that you're with us, that we would be diligent and intentional to ensure that we are walking in your ways, God. And I pray also for, for these young people, God, that you would open their hearts and their minds to understand that with your power in them, they can do amazing things. They can join in your work to reach the lost, to advance your kingdom in this world until the day that you come back or you take us home. And finally, God, I, I pray that we would understand more deeply who you are, what you've done, and why it matters. And I pray, God, that you'll just keep those words, those questions in our heart and our mind. Jesus, who are you? What is it that you've done, and why does it matter? And we trust that you'll do this work in us because your promise is true. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.